Hi everybody, welcome to episode four of Making Friends with Mark McGark. Yes, a very good day to you, and welcome. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Today's episode features Garth Perquette, who just came in from Seattle. He has made a big life move, and he's here in New York now. So I hope that he feels welcome, and it was really great to see him. Today's episode was the first one that I've done that involves genuine human contact. That's right, people. I saw Garth. I hugged Garth, he hugged me back. There was touching of skin. There was stroking of beards. It was quite a time. I'm not gonna get too graphic with you, but just let it be known that we made a lot of eye contact. Mmm, boy. The other thing that you should know about this episode is that it was recorded in person, and it took us a long time to figure out where we wanted to record it. And finally, we found this place in Bushwick uh, by a coffee shop. It was just kind of like a big empty room, which is very rare to find in Brooklyn or any part of New York. But it was a big open coffee shop with comfortable chairs, and it was airy and sunny, and I loved it. But there, uh, there's kind of an echo in the room, and there's also a very loud door that people would slam again and again as they were coming into the establishment. So you're going to hear that. And you might have to lean in a little bit to hear what Garth and I are saying. But uh, it was really such a pleasant conversation. And I think that I might be in love with Garth. I hope that you are in love with him too, after hearing this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Getting Out of Bed in the Morning. Getting out of bed in the morning. Try it. And if you're feeling adventurous, you could pair today's sponsor with our previous sponsor of A Good Stretch. You can find Garth on various online locations. Look for at Garbage Coven. And you'll know it's him when you see the beard. Here's the show. Enjoy. Where did you go? Um, I think it was called like Barcy's. Barcy's, yes. Yeah. It has a really strange name. Yeah. But a delightful <laughs> brunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Every time that I think back to say it, like a few friends ask, like, oh, where are you going for brunch? And my roommate asks, I'm like, Barcy's? It sounds <laughs> like I can't be right. it up. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds too much like barf. Yeah. yeah, it's like Marcy and Barf combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it um, tastes good. Would you get some nice French toast? Oh man. So my thing is breakfast burritos. Yeah. Uh, anytime that I go to like a new city, um, and I don't have like distinct plans, like I'm going there for a conference or something. Yeah. Uh, I will look up. I'll basically triangulate my life <laughs> with uh, breakfast burritos, coffee shops. 
record stores and then like any sort of oddities shops that sell like yes. crystals and bones and oh there's one of those right around the corner here oh really What's I think there is there's like a small indie bookstore oh, and cool. I think they have like some gems and jewels and stuff too nice yeah I like to just fuck around with that and so yeah I'll just triangulate all that and then fill in the rest of the life in between so perfect yeah but yeah breakfast burritos would be the priority how's the Barcy's breakfast burrito it's I've got to say it's probably the best one that I've had in New York so far. Okay. It's been here months. In New York, oh, not in the, you traveled across the U.S. Yes. So you've eaten quite a few breakfast burritos. Yes. But as far as New York goes, mm-hmm. Barcy's is winning the breakfast burrito competition for Garth. Yes. Perkett. Per- Perkett, Perkett, apparently it's different in different parts of the country, but. How do you say it? You're the one who has control. <laughs> uh, I say it Perkett. Perkett. Yes. Okay. So that's the way I'll say it. Perfect. Glad we can agree on this. <laughs> um, do we need to listen back in or anything? Just we'll just go with it. Cool. That sounds great. Uh, I think our seven listeners won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, I'm unsubscribing <laughs> based on the sound quality. Sounds like you guys are in the lobby of like a pet shop slash coffee shop. There, yeah, you can get a, adopt a bushy-tailed cat today. I wish the cats were here, because uh, at the very least, even if you don't like cats, but I imagine you do. Totally, I don't discriminate. Okay, good. Unless they're hairless. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They have to be furry, yeah. because if they were here and they were furry, they would at the very least absorb all the <laughs> <laughs> You are so right. I like I like the way your podcast mind digs. Thank you very much. I feel like we wouldn't be able to talk about much other than the animals, though. That's true, but, I mean, I don't think anybody would mind that either. Yeah, except they'd be like, uh, could you make this one a video podcast? <laughs> yeah. Just describing all these cats that we have to listen about. <laughs> yeah, the cat in your mind's eye is yeah. the one that you'll end up seeing. Exactly. But thanks for doing this, man. This is really nice of you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you And for um, me. I want this to be like your official welcome to Brooklyn. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, you, just did, you just did the Garth thing. Where yeah. You put your hand up to your beard. I'm, I like punch myself in the chin very lightly. Okay. There's an action <laughs> pose. I, uh, I usually make my beard a little bit shorter uh-huh. than this. Uh, but I figured since we're celebrating beards today, you have the marvelous beard, I would try... You know, to mirror it as much as I can. Yeah, no, you're looking you're looking very sharp. So are you. Thank you. And you got a fresh haircut. I, I <laughs> did. Uh, I, hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. Uh, oh, you have a regular guy. Yeah. You used to, but now you're all out of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love my barber, Zach, back in Seattle very dearly. We're very good friends. He's this uh, delightful, like, half Pakistani, half Irish um, <laughs> to anyone listening, I just fell and hit my head. <laughs> and that was not a door closing. Um, but yeah, he's this delightful, like, half Paki, half Irish, uh, queer, tattooed, delightful gem of a human being. And I had to leave him back in Seattle. And, uh, but when I got my hair cut last, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do about a barber in... Uh, in New York, and he said, for your hair and, like, what you go for, uh, you need to find a Dominican barber. Yeah? And I was like, that's 
That's pretty specific. That's not advice that I would expect. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not like Dominican the, in the least. And that's not like a particular skill that yeah. the barber has. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they must be Dominican yeah, by yeah. nationality. <laughs> At least 50% Dominican. <laughs> Why would he say that? What is it about the Dominican barber that uh, fits your specifications? He said it was something about, like, the way that they do fades, like, you know, along the side of your head. Um, just like for how you like your hair, I think a Dominican barber would be would be best. And so I was like, okay, that sounds intimidating, but I'll go. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, can you Google best Dominican barber? Well, can you? I don't. I didn't. So, <laughs> but it was weird. Uh, I was gonna go to this other shop from this uh, this Jamaican, like third generation Jamaican immigrant who started a barber shop in Bushwick. Um, and as I was walking out the door to go there, uh, my neighbor, who I just met, Rico, he popped his head out because um, he somebody just left. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, what's up? He's like, oh, not much. Just finished giving a haircut. And I was really? like, oh, <laughs> okay, interesting. And he was like, yeah, I used to cut hair in the Navy for a while. It's like, oh, that's awesome. I was actually just on my way to get one. Yeah, it's like the hands of fate intervening. Exactly, which I, I've been, for the past, like, two years or so, I've been very much about just kind of, like, following. If, like, if something seems like a aha, or just like a, hmm, this gives me a pause in a positive way, uh, I just go with it now. Oh, yeah? And so that was like, okay. And it's also weird because he looks a lot like... Zach, who is a very specific person. No way. Yeah, like everything about him. So like, okay, this, yeah, for sure. And I was like, oh, I'm actually on my way. And he's like, oh, do you want an haircut? Yeah, did he sit you down and do it for you? Yeah, he did. Um, and it was bizarre because then in the, like, as our conversation progressed, he was like, oh, yeah, I was just in Puerto Rico. Um, I've got, and, and I found out that I have family, like Dominican family. Uh, out there, I was like, shut the His fuck blood. up. <laughs> That's like, unbelievable. It's like, how is this happening? Wait, you didn't mention to him the Dominican thing, right? It's not like he's he's playing you. Yeah, yeah. This came out of nowhere. You didn't. I'm sure you didn't say, well, you know, I really needed a Dominican barber, but I'll yeah. be done with you. No, I, it completely unprompted, he, he like mentioned that. And then I told him afterwards, he's like, whoa, this is really <laughs> weird. He's like, sometimes I go by Zach. Not really. <laughs> too far exactly um, but that's um, I mean I think your haircut looks good I don't know you so I think <laughs> the owner of the hair of course it feels like a loss when the hair is cut off yeah for sure no matter how it comes out the first time mm -hmm. and uh, you know if it's not the look that you're hoping for you kind of have to get used to it for my eyes it's quite handsome thank you very but much but um, even if you don't like it and I don't know I'm just reading into what you've been saying yeah. even if you don't like it at least you got that bonding time with your neighbor which exactly. is so rare yeah it felt like an extremely uh, I don't know like Bushwick thing to have happen like oh yeah I'm still living in these artist lofts and my neighbor Rico gave me a haircut in his apartment and it's, it's, I don't know yeah totally you're now the stereotype <laughs> exactly exactly um, which I don't know it's either I, I, I was like self-conscious about moving into Bushwick yeah let's get into that why did uh, why did you pick Bushwick or did you pick it um 
again, I feel like fate kind of picked it for me. Yeah. I was looking literally everywhere but Bushwick and Williamsburg because I was like, I want to be different. I don't want to be the bearded white guy from Seattle who moves to Williamsburg or Bushwick. Um, for our listeners, these are neighborhoods in Brooklyn. Exactly. In case you don't know. Yeah. It feels like the whole world knows when you live here, though. Yeah, for sure. This, everything is important here. Um, and so I was looking all over the place in smaller, different neighborhoods. But every place that I went to, either the roommates felt kind of like a little off. Yeah. Or the place just had two or three like glaring no's about <laughs> okay. them that I would have had to I would have like squint my eyes every day a lot to envision myself being happy there um, what, what neighborhoods were you looking at? Uh, I was Astoria. looking in like uh, like Prospect Heights Crown Heights oh that's a cool place yeah I like that area yeah Prospect Heights I really really loved um, South Slope I was also looking there yeah, that's nice, too. And then you'd be so close to the park, which is such a benefit. Yeah. We have Maria Hernandez Park here, but it's not Prospect Park. Yeah. It's just a one-block park that yeah. we have, whereas Prospect Park is, like, many, many acres. Totally, yeah. I'm, I haven't spent any time in Prospect Park yet, but... I'm Check it out. Go see the turtles. I, <laughs> that feels like a very Mark McGarrick thing. Hey, come to Brooklyn. Come see the turtles. See the turtles. <laughs> They're great. We're, I was there with my girlfriend last week, and it was super hot. Like, it was just incredible. Out of nowhere, it was like 85 degrees and so humid, I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. But we were walking around the park, and we walked around the pond, uh-huh. and there were all these fallen limbs in the pond. Mm-hmm. And we would see little tiny turtles everywhere we looked would swim up to the limbs. And it was sort of like, try really hard to claw their way on top of the limb. <laughs> and some of them would make it up. Some of we watched one that couldn't claw his way up. We watched him for like five minutes, and he just kept trying to get up and failing and sliding. But the ones who did make it up, they would perch there, and then they would crane their necks back in the sun. <laughs> and it was the most relaxed-looking posture that you could imagine. That is so sweet, and it's also like, I love that you noticed that and took the time <laughs> to just observe that. Um, it's also weirdly comforting to know that they do the same thing that we do when like, right. the sun comes out they're just like let me bask in it yes that's what I was thinking when I was looking at them yeah and then they're just like zen turtles all yeah. around the park what grounds you totally at the very top of that story when you were like oh yeah my, my, my girlfriend and I were at the park uh, the other day looking at the turtles it was super hot like in my mind it just stopped right there like, <laughs> it was the sexiest thing we've ever done <laughs> yeah. yeah me and my girlfriend are some weird shit <laughs> yeah. we got in the pond with the turtles we turned ourselves over it was hot exactly pond scum fetish that's my sex voice <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that. But, yeah, I'm sorry. We got off track. So you were looking around different neighborhoods. You were looking in Prospect Heights. Yes. And you just weren't finding the right apartment. So what happened? Yeah. Um, during this entire time, I was crashing on friends' couches and not, not wanting to be a burden to them. So I was trying to find a spot as quickly as possible. And I was freaking out and working also. <laughs> and so it was like March 30th. And I was trying to sign a lease for April 1st. Yeah. And so I was like, I just lost hope at work. And um, I'd looked on a million sites. 
and nothing came up that I really loved. And so finally I just like did something I maybe should have done from the outset. I just went to Google and I typed in apartment search Brooklyn. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> yeah. Wait, you came here with no plan at all? You just kind of thought that you would stumble into an apartment? So I, I was looking on different sites, but they were all sites that were recommended to me. Okay. And so I was like, clearly these have to be great. Uh, but then I, I didn't, so I was like, oh, I'll just wipe out the first step. Like the super basic lost thing that you do, which is Google something. I was like, oh, I'm just going to search these specific sites. Yeah, but you thought you were advanced beyond exactly. that. Yeah, little did I know. And so I brought up this site that I hadn't tried yet. And like the third place that I clicked on, uh, I like freaked out when I saw it. I had gigantic windows and like I could afford the rent. And so it also tells you, like, you know, if you were the 15th person to contact the apartment, or the person who listed it, it would be like, be the 15th person to contact this. this That's kind of nice to know. Yeah, and so with this one, it said, be the first to contact this listing. And so I freaked out. I, like, texted, called, and emailed all at the same same time. (laughs) And um, I was like, if I lose this, it's going to be because I was too overbearing. But I'd rather do that than, like, passively... Yeah, totally. Put everything you have into it. Yeah. That's that's an amazing feeling when you see something, even though it's on the computer so you can't be sure exactly yeah. what it looks like, but you see something and then your heart kind of swells and you're like, this could be for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it ended up, kind of, ended up working out really, really well. Um, How many roommates do you have? Uh, I live with three other people. Wow. But one of them is like a really badass wonderful creative dude. I think he's like either a creative director or like co co-founder of like a firm, like a design firm or ad firm or something. Um, so he spends like one week a month in Brooklyn and then three weeks like that's the time in Vancouver, BC. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So and that's pretty close to where you were living, but we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. I, like everybody that I live with magically is also like West Coast ish and so it's like a mini oasis when I go home. (laughs) That's really nice. Yeah, just never meet anyone who actually lives in New York. (laughs) Do Um, you, uh, no, that's, I was thinking about it before about how I've been in Brooklyn for like five years now. Well, no, I've been in New York for five years. I've been in Brooklyn for like well... Let's get into it. So I lived in Ridgewood, Queens, which is right on the border of Bushwick. And I lived there for about two years. I don't know if we can count that as Brooklyn. We might have some purists who disagree with me. That's fine. So I've been in Brooklyn proper for maybe six months. But altogether, I've been here several years (laughs) in this vicinity. And I was thinking, like, it's still so hard to find my space and, like, find the people that I really click with. Um, But I noticed that... In Brooklyn, or in New York, anywhere, when you meet somebody who is from where you are from, then you have an instant connection. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me that she knows this guy who's from Cleveland. She's from Cleveland. Like, she tells me all the time, like, oh, yeah, I know this other guy from Cleveland. He lives in Brooklyn or wherever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I hadn't seen him in forever. But then I saw him, like, uh, just the other day. And she was like, 
and we instantly fell into a rapport with each other because like we knew each other and we had Cleveland and we just launched off from there yeah. so it's like there's no like there's not a lot of like natives yeah. but you can meet your own crew based off of where you originated yeah definitely it's kind of weird like, not like, a lot of cities like that yeah plus I feel like people from Cleveland probably have to stick together <laughs> I mean, you, you have to form that mentality, I can imagine. Are you insulting dear Cleveland right now? <laughs> I've never been to Cleveland, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going off of every stereotype that I know. But, uh, no, I, I totally, totally feel that. Wait, where are you from originally? I, I don't really know. I was born in Cleveland. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. enough. And it hurts my feelings. I apologize. Were, no. I was born there, but my family moved around a lot, so mm-hmm. before I was... Even three years old, we moved away from Cleveland. I guess I consider myself, like, half Florida, half New Jersey. That's a weird baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's where I did the most maturing. Like, I grew up childhood in Florida. And then, as a teenager, I moved to New Jersey and sort of, like, reached adulthood Mark McGarkness. Yeah. So is that literally your last name? No, it's not my last name. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess you haven't listened to the podcast. Can uh, I explain it? I haven't listened to that minute of the podcast. <laughs> it's okay, I forgive you. Yeah. It's okay. No, but your roommates are all from PNW? Uh, yeah, like, well, like, two of them went to, went to college at the University of Oregon, uh, but they're from Arizona, and then the other one is, like, from Vancouver, BC, so it's, like, kind of the general wider area, yeah. but... They've yeah. had some formative times in that area. Definitely. But, yeah, I've already met a few people from Seattle or from Washington State, uh, in New York, and it, yeah, it is a weird freak out, like mini freak out rapport. You're yeah. just like, holy shit, this has never happened in the history of any time. <laughs> Were uh, you born in Washington? I was. Um, Whole life there? Elementary, middle school, high school, college? Everything. Wow. Yeah, everything up until uh, one month ago. So this is a big upheaval in your life. Yeah. What's going on, Garth? <laughs> um, you know, over the past couple of years, I've I've kind of just very consciously taken inventory of, uh, like, what's going on in my life, who I am, what I want, what I want to, like, work on. Yeah. So everything from uh, how to be a better communicator, how to have greater domain over my feelings, and how to, how to like, speak about them with people, how to be a better listener, all that stuff. Um, and in taking that inventory, I kind of started to realize... Like, Seattle is a beautiful place. Washington is a wonderful... Like, the Northwest is a wonderful part of the country. Um, I think... I just kind of realized... It had taught me everything that I needed to learn from it. Okay. For now. Um, and, and also, like, I'm 29 now. And I, I feel, like, pretty driven. Like, reasonably driven. And mm-hmm. I've done some, like, really fun, creative things in my life. Uh, but Seattle is a very easy place to like you you can kind of lay back in the water and yeah you can get comfortable the tide of seattle will just sort of comfortably take you around um and so it's very livable and very pleasant but I, at the same time i feel like it doesn't make you work like work for anything okay um so i wanted to try someplace completely different in new york um just i love like, how conscious you're being about this whole thing like, most people come here because of a job or, mm-hmm. like, a specific opportunity, but you're here to work on yourself. And I, I, I assume that that lends itself to other avenues 
professionally and uh, um, relationship-wise. Um, but I think that's really great. I don't hear that from a lot of people. I'm working on the same things in myself too, constantly. Yeah. Like so I, I, like I feel like I'll reach a certain space and then everything will just crumble to pieces. Yeah. And then I have to like reassess and start over. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think uh, more human beings should do what you're doing, and kind of work on that part of themselves. Thank you. I yes. appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's pretty important to do. It's I don't know not. Not to pass like too much evaluation or judgment on on anyone else, but like once you do sort of start taking that personal inventory and being like, not just conceptually like how could I, um, how could I be a better communicator or something, but literally like what are the mechanics of, of how I do this, like breaking down the language that you use, and mm. the way that you listen to people, stuff like that. Uh, once you start down that path, it's really difficult to not just and pick apart everything in your life. Yeah. And then when you pull your head up, uh, it's it becomes super weird to be like, wait, there are people that literally just go home from work, watch the Big Bang Theory and go to sleep. <laughs> like that's like that's the extent mm. of their like self analysis or whatever and Again, not trying to sound like elevated or... or no, maybe they know something that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we're just trying to get to that space where we can go home and to be like, uh, Big Bang Theory tonight? Yeah. It's dirty. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're a creative dude. And so I think that, like, entering into any sort of, like, creative sphere, it starts you on that path of, like, of self-analysis and breaking things down and... Um, overthinking things a lot. I don't yeah. think you've talked about that in past podcasts, or at least yeah, your, definitely. your ads. Yeah, I spend way podcasts. too much time up in my brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it can be cool when it leads you to opportunities like moving to New York. Uh, yeah. It can be definitely self-destructive in some ways where you're just like, I have so much anxiety, I can't leave the house today. <laughs> uh, I'm sad that you suffer from that. Oh, or yeah. Maybe, maybe you're alluding to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I but again I think that that um, when you become aware of it and you develop strategies to sort of use it as a tool in your own life to open yourself up in different ways then you can use it to your advantage yeah definitely. so yeah it's um that was part of the reason or that's something I was excited about in coming to New York specifically in Seattle, where I have lived for, like, I've lived in Washington my whole life, Seattle, for the past 10 years. Uh, so I've had a very comfortable life around basically everybody I know and who cares about me. One thing I was excited about with New York was the opportunity to be lonely, to feel lonely, because, like, it sucks, but I think it also really matters what you do with that energy yeah because you could wallow or you could just sink into i don't know like consuming something whether it's just like netflix or food or you know a book um but yeah i think i was just excited to see like who am i when i don't have every comfort i've built up in my life around me okay who am i just yeah it's an exploration of sorts um, have you been feeling lonely? Has that feeling come to you since you've been here? It can be a lonely city. Yeah, um, a little bit, for sure. I think it mostly happens first thing in the morning when, on like a weekend, 
like this morning I didn't know what I wanted to do for brunch. Breakfast. Okay. So like when you don't have like a structure to mm-hmm. your day and you're just sort of faced with who am I, what am I doing today, yeah. and also with everything. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not great at dealing, like creatively or planning wise, dealing with just a blank piece of paper and being like, just fill this with whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I'm a lot better when I have pieces that exist already and I can just arrange them in a way. Yeah, yeah. In like a, a good way. So um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll get there for sure. But like I used to go to uh, get breakfast burritos every weekend with my best friend Mike. Yeah, your breakfast burrito crew. Yeah. You and Mike. Yeah, Stabby Mike for anybody who knows on Twitter. Semi tattoo story, that whole thing. Oh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> okay, Mike's okay, he's your burrito friend, too. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, and, not having that. Oh, and you must wake up and miss that on Saturday morning. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like this morning, I had a little bit of like a, hmm, you know, a little, little sadness about that, but. Burrito pang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> burrito companionship pang. Um, but. I've kind of realized that the best solution to that is literally to just get out of bed. Yeah. Because, like, for as comforting as your bed can be, I think it can also just house so much of your anxiety and just, like, your over-analysis that just getting out of that space, like, okay, I've done one step towards something else in my day. Now I can move on. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Kickstart your body into gear. Yeah. And get going. And I think it that speaks well of you that you already have a friend you can have brunch with. You've only been here not that long. Yeah. A couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. Thank Making you. friendships, eating burritos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's idyllic. Did you just drop the name of your own pot? Well, no, you're, it's Making Friends. Yeah, right? Making Friends. Ma- well, it could be Making, making Friendships. Friends, friends hip. Ma- <gasps> making making friends, friends hip. <laughs> Give me some. Yeah, yeah, that'll record well, that high five. You're not the first person to suggest a name change. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, Someone it's, else suggested yeah. marking friends, <laughs> which is a pun on my name. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> um, I'm into it. So you're in New York, you're in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, and you're new here, but I imagine that your imagination is going crazy with all the things that you might be able to accomplish mm-hmm. when you're here. Uh, so, like, what do you, what do you kind of, ideally, not even, don't even worry about reality, uh-huh. but sort of like ideally, what do you kind of hope happens with your life in this next year or so? That's a great question. Um, and you said maybe you want to scale it down and talk shorter term. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> ideally. Um, what, what, when you were like, just don't worry about reality. For some reason, I, I immediately envisioned everything was French toast. <laughs> My bed was French toast. And everywhere. But basing it designing an invention to turn everything into French toast. Exactly. We'll be ready within a year. <laughs> yeah, I'm super ambitious in that way. Um, so I'm. Uh, Part of the reason why I moved to New York, too, was to continue doing stand-up comedy. Mm. And I've given myself the first month of my life here to not do, not do stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah? Um, because I often feel insanely self-pressured to do it. And it's like, I'm not writing enough. I'm not going up at enough mics. Uh, mm. Things like that. And I, I'm super big on, like, 
creating my living space and like nesting yeah. it out and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you need um, to create your environment first. Yeah. And then bring in your art. Totally. Um, so I, in being so like particular about that, it's very piecemeal. So I give myself the, very, the, the, the first whole month to just nest out my, my home space and do that without the pressure of thinking like, well, you should really be out on an open mic tonight. Um, the pressure is enormous yeah. that we can put on ourselves with yeah, that. Definitely. So it's never enough. There's like always opportunities that we should be taking advantage of. Yeah. So uh, there's going to be, I think, a lot of stand-up in, in my first year here. Good. Uh, I'm hoping to, like... Enter the entering like the social scene of a new stand-up scene is more terrifying than going on stage. Yeah, I know. I, I get that completely. Yeah. So hoping to like be at least decently integrated into that within a year. Um, Do you know anybody already? Did you like before you even moved out here? Did you have a couple of contacts in the scene that you were like, hey, no, I'm going to be out here. Maybe you could put me on a show eventually. Mm. Um, I've got a few like stand-up contacts out here or like friends yeah you'd call uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh there there's a couple uh comics from seattle who i knew that moved out here before me there you go who um who i know i think it would be something where we'd have to like sort of rekindle our our friendship back here before i could be like hey so let's do a show or something but yeah but you're in a great place to rekindle a friendship like that because you just moved to a new city yeah and people want to know like, yeah. people want to see you again yeah so that's that'll be a big part of my first year here um i also have like a weird uh like side hobby that i'm Ooh, side hobby wanting to turn into more of a business or going I'm going to I'm going to say that I'm going okay, to turn yes. into more of a business uh, it sounds weird to say out loud um, back in Seattle I it's like I said I'm really into like oddities shops so yes. I shop like bones and crystals and shit and I started painting raccoon jaw bones raccoon jaw bones yeah like, Which look like, like a, they look like they're shaped like a human jawbone. Uh, the, yeah, it's, it's like oh, kind like of a, a snouty, kind of a long, and it has like one bigger tooth, like kind of at the end. Um, they're really cool, and uh, there's a spot in Seattle. It was a store. It wasn't just like an alley or something where I could buy. <laughs> um, this kind of guy with a trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ra- raccoon jawbones yeah. in his pockets. Yeah, if you ever go to Seattle, there's this great shop called uh, the Belfry, Belfry Oddities. Okay. And uh, the guy Christian who owns it, uh, he sells these great raccoon jawbones for $5 a piece, which I don't like, that seems really cheap <laughs> for a totally cleaned, like, ready to have in your house bone but <laughs> <laughs> this is odd to talk about oh yeah for yeah. sure you're like I'm it, it's interesting bones. though yeah. I don't know anybody else who paints raccoon jaw bones yeah. <laughs> you mean to tell me I'm the first guest you got on this podcast yeah. well, wait did you so how did you discover that's something that you like to do um so I just ran into like antique and oddity shops I, if there was ever like affordable like you know a cow skull or like 
coyote skull or something like that, I would I would buy it. I've always kind of been into like macabre, weird, weird yeah. stuff. And so, so you started with the more mainstream common animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cow, coyote. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you worked your way down to raccoon. Yeah, and, and when I saw that he had these for a very affordable price, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. And so I just bought like three. I don't know, it was kind of hanging out there. And I was like, what could I do to make these more interesting or... Again, this is like your fortuitous fate thing where something kind of occurred to you. Yeah. And I was like, I should buy not just one of these, I should buy three of these because they're calling to me. Yeah, totally. Um, and the door is really loud. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just continuously slipping and hitting my head. <laughs> Are you okay, man? <laughs> Take it to the hospital. I'm good. <laughs> um... But yeah, so I, I started, like, I got some gold gold paint from the art store and started, like, painting the teeth gold. And I was like, this is really cool. And then I bought spray paint and would start spray painting the whole thing and then painting the, the teeth gold. And I was like, this is really cool. And I would have, you know, like, uh, like a baby pink raccoon jawbone with gold teeth. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I was like, this is something that uh, visually pleases me. And that's kind of all that it was for a long time. I'd kind of give them as weird gifts to people. Who it sounds like a fun them. gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, I know you probably have a million of these, <laughs> but here's a raccoon jawbone I painted. No, I love art from my friends. I like uh, I've, anything that somebody takes the time to create and is like really special to mm-hmm. them, and then they're willing to hand it over to me. Like, that means a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, that, that sounds like a fun gift. Yeah, yeah for sure. And um, so I was doing that for a while, and then I was moving to New York. So I had, to, I had like, a big going away slash birthday slash estate sale party where I had anybody over who wanted to come over who I loved. And um, it was my birthday right around the time I was about to move, and I also had to sell all of my shit to move to New York. Yeah. And so I basically put a ton of art that I owned out or art that I made out and just, you know, like camping gear I wasn't going to be using or clothes that I wasn't going to keep. And uh, it was just all out in my living room. And I had a few extra painted raccoon jawbones that were out. And uh, I was just pricing everything very last second. And uh, I put them out, I think, for, I forget how much. but within like the first 10 minutes, uh, somebody had swooped up like all three of them. No kidding. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that anybody would actually want these. And um, so yeah, then I got the wheels turning. And so right before I left Seattle, I bought like, I cleared out, I cleared out Christian's inventory. I bought like 20 raccoon yeah. jawbones. I was just gonna ask, who's your raccoon jawbone man? Yeah. Your hookup here. <laughs> don't have one yet and I might still order them from him or find out what scientist he gets them from <laughs> yeah. or back alley guy but yeah anyways that's going to be a thing that's really neat I can't wait to see your Etsy shop or however you're going to put up your Squarespace website yeah we'll, we'll figure it out that's but. Really fun. I remember seeing pictures of your room. I think you put some up before you moved. Mm-hmm. And I was admiring your art. You had a lot of really cool pieces. It looked like they were handmade. 
I don't remember seeing any like jawbone pieces, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking of like framed pictures. I think you had some inspirational quotes that mm-hmm. connected with me. I don't remember them. I'm sorry. No, I it's all good. Them to I'm you. offended, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you had. I remember thinking you had really good taste. Thank and, you. Uh, I really I, appreciate that. I wish I could have been at that estate sale. I would have grabbed up some of your art. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was also very difficult to let go of some stuff, especially things. I bet it was. That I had made, but I think once I started seeing who bought them, it was like, oh, I feel way better about this knowing that it's going to a really great home. Yeah, of course. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's kind of like passing on your legacy Mm -hmm. to your friends. And then they'll see it and they'll think of you. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just Um, want everybody to think of me. Okay, so how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, I've been doing stand-up, I think, just pu- purely time from start-wise, like... Well, okay, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you start stand-up before you started making jokes on Twitter? Uh, no, I started jokes on Twitter before stand-up. Yeah. Um, and then were you like before you even did that were you like I think I'm a little bit funny or did you sort of like have to find that within yourself like when did you note it when did you within your soul when you were like I have something funny to say (laughs) Uh, I think I've always I've I've liked making people laugh Um, like ever since I was a little kid and I think at times have like wanted to be the center of attention okay but also remain conscious of everyone else anyways um <laughs> you just kind of dismissed that right? yeah um, I, was just I like, really want to be the center of attention yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's i don't know it's a weird balance but um yeah I, i've always really loved comedy and love making making my friends laugh and laugh like that's a huge basis for all my biggest friendships is is humor and laughter it's a great way to have a friendship. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, I mean, that's kind of why we're friends. Yeah. In a, in a roundabout digital way. <laughs> um, and I also loved stand-up since I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, at, at that age where you're old enough for your parents to leave you at home in the summer, mm-hmm. but not old enough that you can, like, drive and stuff. Yeah. My parents would just, like, leave me at home with my sister with a list of chores to do. And instead of doing them, I would just watch Comedy Central all day. <laughs> and so I like fell in love with Maria Bamford and uh, like Todd Berry and like Jim Gaffigan really early on. Um, and did it occur to you at that moment that that was something you wanted to do, or is that just like the development of your passion for it as a as an art? Um, I th- I think it was more like the development of. That passion. Yeah, you just enjoy it. Yeah, I remember the first, like, the first time I really felt a, like, the impact of a relatable joke. It was, like, some Jim Gaffigan special, like, really old. And, um, and he said something, like, describing a feeling, like, a relatable human feeling <laughs> in some context and I freaked out and I was like I've felt that before I mean I was also like you know 10 or something yeah. or 12 and so but I was just like I've felt that before how does he know <laughs> that feeling that I have also felt and I feel like that's that's when it started to 
really kind of like dig, in, dig into me. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is so good. I'm like addicted to feeling like laughter and happiness and being like, oh, this guy gets me. Yeah. And you're mentioning that it has a deeper impact mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people overlook or maybe just haven't really articulated yet, which I think you just did beautifully is not only does it make you laugh, but it makes you connect with something in yourself that you're like, I can't believe this is a shared experience when I thought I was going through this alone. Yeah, for sure. It's like, what do 12-year-old me and this pasty white older comedian have in common? <laughs> Apparently this one thing that he said. Uh, you have a, a tweet I want to read. Let's see, I don't remember. This might be one of the first ones that I read from you that I really liked. It's the one where you just had a solid first date and you're like, okay, play it cool. Don't want to seem too eager. And then you text her 47 years later. <laughs> had a great time the other night, smiley face. <laughs> That's, uh, I think that goes with what you're saying. That's a relatable tweet. Like we've all been in a place where, that's where the humor comes from is a relatability. I yeah, think in totally. that one. We've all spent time with somebody, maybe it's a date, maybe it's just like, I don't really know what I am to this person, but mm -hmm. I kind of had a good time, but I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. So I'm supposed to wait, I guess, to contact them again, but you just don't know how long you're supposed to wait. Yeah, totally. Anyway, I had the feeling that you were describing with your Jim Gaffigan joke <laughs> when I read that one. <laughs> you're like, in another 46 years, I can text this girl back. This Garth guy gets me. Yeah, that was a very practical tweet. Now yeah. I know. This is like, what's the name of that pickup guide? The, um, oh, the oh, game or something like oh that? Oh, God, yeah. This is Garth's version of that. Exactly. Yeah, follow at Garbage Coven for all your dating advice. <laughs> um, okay, so you were doing that. Now you're, you're grown up, you, uh, or maybe you're not, when you decide <laughs> you want to try it on stage. Um, it was in, I think, 2013. And I, like I said, I've watched stand-up my whole life. Um, but I was dating this, this great girl at the time, and she worked at a chocolate factory, which is very dreamy. Yeah. And, uh, perfect woman. Exactly. <laughs> um, and her friend Val, um, Val Nigro, she's a great, great uh, queer lady comic in Seattle. And um, she, Kelly was like, hey, you know my friend Val, like the, the tour guide at Theo? Uh, she's, she's doing stand-up comedy, she's doing an open mic. Would you want to go with me? I was like, yeah, I would love that. And so we like sat down at the comedy womb in Seattle. It's a great name. Yeah, it's since changed to the comedy nest, but still very great. Great uh, conscious comedy space, <laughs> and um, and I had met Val. I thought she, she was great, but then like the second that I saw her, that I saw Val come on stage and like saw somebody that I knew doing stand-up comedy, yeah, like that is the second where I was just like, oh wait, regular people can do stand-up too, not just professionals on Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. This is this changed my life, and so that's when I decided like I want to do this. And so... That makes perfect sense. Yeah. You can't be what you can't see. Exactly. Well, you, you thought all the people doing stand-up were just big celebrities mm -hmm. who had something special about them. But yeah. maybe all this time you had that same special thing right here in your heart. Uh, for anybody listening, Mark, Mark just touched my heart. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I I felt touched by it. So. <laughs> and then, uh, did you get up on stage right away after that, or did it take you some time? Um, I took like two weeks to write some stuff out and um, you know write some silly jokes, and then I did my first open mic. I did my first open mic, and then for the first three weeks, I did open mics. But I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Even my uh, my girlfriend I was living with at the time. Oh my gosh. Didn't tell her. So she probably thought I was having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you tell anybody? Can you do you even know? Um, I think that I didn't want it to seem like bigger than it actually was, or for mm-hmm. me to feel more accomplished than I actually was. And then also, if I was going to fail, I wanted just like go down in flames anonymously. Sure, um, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's it's always it's, it's, being in comedy for a few years now. It's always really weird, and it's like ugh, oh, a little bit, a bit cringy when you see someone and it's like their first open mic they're ever doing, and they have an entire table of people. Yeah. In the back, which yeah, is like, yeah. it feels weird to be like, oh, I'm cringing at your supportive friends and family. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, mm, it's not always going to be like this for you. And also, the first time is probably going to suck. Yeah, the first year is probably going to suck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've kind of been doing it ever since then. I've taken several breaks. Uh, and part of my move to New York was trying to figure out what balance I wanted, or what role I wanted comedy to play in my life. Uh, the balance of stand-up and silly online Twitter jokes and stuff, mm-hmm. or some other form that comes from both of those. What are you thinking? Do you, um, has that led you anywhere yet? I know this is still all new to you, mm-hmm. but I, I often wonder what are other avenues to explore. Because I do a little bit of stand-up, and like I always try to push myself to do more, mm-hmm. but I, I have terrible straight stage fright, first of all, uh-huh. and um, I don't feel confident about it, but I do feel like I have um, jokes that I want to share with the world, and I feel like I have a lot of creative expression in me mm-hmm. that I want to bring out, but I don't know how. Yeah. So I was, just, I was wondering if, if, you, uh, if your brain has taken you to any new avenues yet. That's a great question. Um... It could be no. It doesn't have yeah. to be. could still be something you're thinking about. Yeah, I think right now I'm still trying to f- figure out the, uh, the balance. I think that there are some really great stand-ups who occasionally will just, like, post something on Twitter, and they'll be like, this is great. Um, but then there are, I think there are a lot of people who have started out doing Twitter stuff and dabble in, in stand-up. Yeah. Um, like... Uh, my friend Albro uh, Broman console on Twitter he's, he's a really great uh, Pikachu avatar okay. um, like he he writes for TV in LA and when when we first met and we're talking I remember him being like yeah I did stand up for a little while and I had like you know 10, 10 minutes that I enjoyed doing but then I kind of just decided you know just it just sort of fell off from, from there and I didn't love it as much. And I was like envious of how uh, of how casual he could be about it. Yeah. Because for me I'm just like, oh I need ten great minutes mm-hmm. and like I need to be working at this constantly. But I like that he found a balance of like, yeah, I do this other writing and then occasionally stand up and then every once in a while I like a Twitter joke. So still trying to find the like 
holy trinity yeah. like, balance of that for myself. Yeah. We'll and you sound like you're a very open person. So you're kind of open to suggestion and possibility. So if something passes across your purview, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, um, but you'll, yeah, <laughs> you'll kind of allow it to um, permeate yourself. That's the right word. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a thesaurus right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you're, you're obviously a creative person and a kind and open person, which I think goes a long way. So I do hope that you find the balance, whatever it is. Also, when you start performing again, can I come see you? Uh, yes, you can. I won't tell you for the first That's several fine. weeks. I understand. <laughs> I really uh, understand. Yeah. I still won't allow people to see me. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> like if somebody's there, they happen to be there, I'm like, just fine, just watch. But, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not inviting people yeah. to come and watch me fail. Right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my same policy with sex, too. I'm, like, I'm not going to invite people over, but like if you happen to be there, then that's fine. Um, no, but also thank you for that kind of compliment. Yeah, you're a good person, I can tell. <laughs> um, here's a question for you. I want to get to some from our Twitter uh-huh. pals, but first, here's kind of a big question. What's it like to live inside of your brain? Oh, man. Um, it is... I like my brain. I think it's a fun place to yeah. be most of the time. Uh, <laughs> It's, I mean, similar to you and a lot of people in, in the creative field, there is a lot of like analysis and over analysis of things. Um, but I think that it's always like a, at least for me, it feels like being in my brain, there's always an opportunity to think about something differently or think about, think about it m- most often from trying to think about it from someone else's perspective or like having empathy for another another party, another group. Um, because I think that's a, good, that's a good way to live life is to like be empathetic, but I think that it also opens you up to so many different perspectives uh, for yourself. Do you find that you're kind of naturally that way or is it something that you have to um, force yourself into? A little bit, or sort of like remind yourself, you know, I, I need to think this way, uh, kind of like tune your brain into it. Mm. Uh, I think that's my natural go-to, and for a long time it served me very well, but I think at the same time, I've had to consciously reserve space to think solely from Garth's perspective. Yeah. Because, like, my parents raised me to, like, this sounds very, like, I don't, I don't know, but I'll just go with it. My parents always raised me, they were great, they are like, you know, always be a person for others, put others first, um, and, like, they sent me to Catholic school, which I came out okay with. That's, um, yeah, that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, uh, but that was kind of the biggest lesson that I learned out of that, is, like, you know, put others first. And so that's kind of been my MO for my whole life. And that's led to a lot of like empathetic thinking and like learning other people's perspectives and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it was after my last relationship in about t- like 2014, I realized that that was often all that I was doing. Yes. And 
had not taken a lot of time in my adult life to think like, okay, what do I want? Just period. Because if you were like, hey, Garth, let's go get dinner. Where do you want to go? My go-to response would always be like, oh, I don't care if like you pick. Like, I'm, I'm flexible. I'm like, whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever. Whereas when you're asking like, hey, Garth, where do you want to go to dinner? You're not just asking that. You're secretly being like, hey, Garth, I am interested in you sharing your individual culture with me yeah. like the things that you know and the preferences you have yeah and I, I care about you yeah and I want you to be happy with this dinner yeah and like and I also in a in a different way like maybe want you to show me something yeah that can be a lot of impasse don't always realize that when they know themselves a little bit better that can be a gift to other people oh my god yeah. to, just to being able to share back and forth yeah um so that that's been a huge thing the past several years is spending more time alone, spending more time building up my own like opinions and preferences mm -hmm. on things. Because yeah, it is really cool if someone is just like, "Hey, I'm I'm visiting Seattle. Like, uh, do you have a place you'd recommend?" And just being able to list off like ten places, like you know, you need to go here, you need to go there, and I'm like knowing that they'll have a great experience. Yeah, they, uh, you can't be like, I want to visit Seattle. What do you recommend? You can't be like, oh, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Starbucks, the Space Needle, all the hits. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what it's like being in my brain is thinking from other people's perspectives, but also like trying to live that that opinionated life, be more opinionated, build those up. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, as far as brains go, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> um, okay, here's my next question for you. Why do people like you so much, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I think you already answered it with your last question, so don't even worry about it. That, uh, <laughs> that's the kindest thing anyone has ever asked me that ended with you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about your friend and the, your semicolon tattoo, but I want to be mindful of time too. And I think somebody actually asked that question. So oh, okay. let's get into the Twitter questions. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. Um, Tom, Trojan Sauce Tom, mm -hmm. he asked two questions. Number one, isn't it tiring being so kind and thoughtful all the time? <laughs> and uh, number two, who do you prefer out of Macaulay Culkin and Mary Kate Olsen? Ooh, uh, so question one, isn't the Chinese so kind of thoughtful all the time? Um, no. Question two, uh, <laughs> who do you prefer between Macaulay Culkin and Mary Kate Olsen? I think Macaulay Culkin's had a bigger impact on my life, um, namely when it comes to uh, booby trap setup, whereas Mary Kate Olsen has taught me very little about booby traps. Um, right. So, more practical knowledge coming from Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, as far for as sure. how to use a flamethrower to blow somebody's <laughs> eyebrows off. <laughs> I, whenever I think of Macaulay Culkin, I always think of the paint can swinging from the stairwells yeah. and how you would 1,000% die from you that. You would die from <laughs> yeah. that. I think that every time I see that movie. Yeah, like it'd be a weird, gross death too because you'd fall down the stairs and then it would just be this little kid with this dead guy's body in the house. It would be messy as hell, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Blood everywhere, bits of skull fragment everywhere. Yeah, for sure. That could have been a completely different movie. It should have been they, a completely different movie. 
a great idea for a horror movie is a realistic remake of Home Alone. <laughs> it would be really short, because like within the first three booby traps, like they both die. 20-minute <laughs> movie. Uh, the resilience of those two characters astounds me. Exactly. The robbers. Okay, let's get into these questions here. You can look with me. Tragic Alley wants to know if you could eat Sabaro with one celebrity. Has to be dead, not living, because it's a ghost Sabaro. Forgot to mention that. Who would it be? Ooh, ghost Sabaro. <sighs> I'd say I'd have ghost Sabaro. <laughs> Thank you, Alley. You can't pass up the opportunity for ghost Sabaro. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just like regular Sabaro, but spookier. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would probably say Robin Williams because I feel like we could talk about how absurd it is that we're eating at a Sabaro <laughs> when he is still wealthy in the afterlife, probably. Um, but also, it'd be cool to like meet one of your biggest like creative and humorous inspirations and someone who's made you really happy. Yeah, and also has that shared uh, experience of like depression and uh, and things like that and just being able to get perspective about both of those parts of him um, what a thoughtful answer <laughs> he seems like he'd be really fun to have some ghost pizza with too. definitely uh, my Miguel Miguel Mike Big B he wants to know why have you never posted a pic of your butt online I've never seen your butt ever and I'm sick of it Thank you. Is he thank you, Mike. Is he factually correct in that, by the way? Uh, he is factually incorrect. Uh, I really enjoy posting pictures of my butt <laughs> online. Uh, <laughs> you know, who hates it, though, is my mother. Uh, at one point, I posted a, a picture of my butt on, uh, on Facebook, and I had two texts sitting on, like, on the home screen of my phone. One of them was from my friend Alex Merkel, it was just like, cute butt, like, kissy face. And then the what text right below it was my mom. And she said, stop posting pictures of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try and post more for you, Mike. You hear that, Mike? You're going to see his butt. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a little Easter egg. Oh, in some of your pictures. Definitely. There's one where you're giving a thumbs up, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then, unbeknownst to you, there's a mirror behind you. <laughs> yeah, complete <laughs> <And your> mistake. <laughs> Definitely not planned at all. <laughs> your butt is reflected in that mirror. Yes. Okay, Kel, oh hey, oh hi, hello, wants to know, yes, hi Garth, would you say that you are by chance a little rough around the edges? <laughs> uh, thank you, Kel. Kel, Kel, Kelly, Kel. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Kel, it's Kiel. Is that a key? Is that a capital I? Key, key, key. We'll go with key. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Key. No. Next question. All right, sweatpants share. If I can just do a little opinion here, I think uh, this is house at house underscore feminist. I think she's one of the absolute funniest people that I've ever spoken to. She's fantastic. Um, but she has four questions for you. Number one, why wasn't my hometown good enough for Garth? Uh, a little background. Uh, Morgan, sweatpants share, and I used to live in Washington State, the same state together. And... Uh, we met online, like, in her early Twitter comedy days, and um, 
Yeah, we never met up though while I lived there, which is a real, real bummer. It is a bummer. But hopefully she'll. I, I told her that she needs to come and hang out in Brooklyn with us sometime, even though she is pregnant with twins and also has two children already. And so clearly she can fit that into her schedule. I'm going to admit something. I've been talking to her pretty much every night for the past month or maybe more. Yeah. I didn't know it was twins that she was pregnant with. Oh, just kidding. I have no idea. Uh, nothing. I don't know if that's privileged information. Who knows? Anyways. Maybe you're talking about her breasts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, number two, was he born with a beard? Were you born with a beard? Yes. Okay. Number three, do you plan to die with a beard? I plan to die as soon as possible. No. Um... Probably, yeah. I hope so. On your deathbed, you wouldn't shave it off. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, one last request. As I'm dying, could you shave my face? Bring me Zach the barber. Yeah, no, that would be awful. I look not... Not good without a beard is how I would put it. So I want to look my best as I die. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Number four, what did you eat for breakfast? We already covered that. Listen back. Yep. All right, number... Okay, the next one is from Will the Beast. Garth Mango, is that a pet name for you? Uh, no, I think that's just how all of these talks. Okay. Garth Mango, if you had to compare yourself to a plant slash flower slash tree of any kind, what would it be and why? That's a great question. I was thinking, hmm. This sounds very s silly, but my mind goes to, uh, a, like a grapevine. Uh, You're gonna have to explain that one. Yeah. Oh, you don't get it. All right. <laughs> uh, I think because I this sounds so silly to say. Uh, I really like making people happy in like little ways where I can. So like if you're at you're getting coffee and uh, you the barista's wearing like a cool shirt. You know, as you're paying and everything, and like, hey, I really like your shirt, by the way. Not at all in like a, I'm hitting on you way, but just like a, yeah. hey, cool shirt, take that with you the rest of the day. I hope yeah. that rattles around in your brain makes you happy. Uh, so like giving out like, just like grapes, you know, like little bits of sweetness here and there. and um, oh, That's adorable. Yeah. I completely get the metaphor. <laughs> And you're a good human being. Oh, Congratulations. Yeah. Um, this one comes from Better Movies Podcast. Have you listened to our podcast? Uh, no. I'm, I'm, say, uh, I'm, going to, I'm listening to it right now as we're talking. I'm going to say this is too much of a plug for <laughs> me. I, I don't like this. I don't think that it's very nice of them to, yeah. to plug their own podcast without any other question for you. Yeah. I think say, let's not listen. And anybody else listening right now, don't listen to Better Movies Podcast, yeah. which is a hilarious movie podcast uh, with some of my best friends. Yeah. Don't listen to that. Do not listen to Better Movies Podcast. And do not follow at Better Movies Pod. Better Movies Pod on Twitter. Um, don't let us find you enjoying inappropriate, that. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Um, don't have the time of your life. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't listen to it with someone you love. <laughs> and this here's the last one. Do you know this person? Uh, I don't. I don't know this person either. Their name is Horrorscope uh, at Mad Horrorscope, asking for a friend. 
where did you bury dot 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 space the secret um I think they're talking about that self-help book yeah yeah I buried a copy of that book the secret uh directly behind you wherever you're listening to this it's directly behind you buried so to start digging directly behind you it's okay get out a shovel wherever you are right now yeah dig it up dig it up you'll find the secret but don't dig on the better movies podcast (laughs) (laughs) you made me laugh so hard i had to cover my face um okay we're almost done but we didn't get to the semicolon thing all right so can you uh give us like the short story of that and then we'll direct people to your tweet that explains it more right um so the the story of this is my friend mike was living in la at the time and uh was walking down the street with uh, a group of friends and it was this girl's birthday, and they were walking uh, two blocks, or an Echo Park, if that means anything to anybody. They were walking uh, two blocks from this girl's apartment to this bar. And, and they get to the bar, it's like a well-lit night, lots of people around, and uh, there's a huge line out the door. So they're like, fuck this, let's go back to the apartment. And so in the two-block walk back to the apartment, um, a one of the girls, uh, lets out a scream and everyone turns around and this guy had like gotten a hold of her and was trying to mug her like take her purse and um, my friend Mike he's like 5'7 like pretty wiry like like thin guy Um, he stepped in and tried to separate them and then he punched the guy and then the guy like lunged at him and then ran away and so Mike was like oh okay, situation over. Uh, but then he started, he uh, looked down at his left side and slowly realized that he'd been stabbed. Holy fuck. And um, so then he like collapsed to the ground. And so he's like bleeding out on the streets of LA. And um, all that happens, my, my, uh, my friend Scott calls me at like, midnight two in the morning something like that and like really cryptically it's just like uh hey wanted to let you know mike mike got stabbed down in la and i'm calling people to, to tell him so I'm freaking out and, i can't imagine getting that phone call yeah yeah being so was, far away not knowing anything that's happening yeah it was terrible i like couldn't go back to sleep that night and i was living with uh our other best friend andy at the time and so we like freaked out, didn't really know what to do, um, but the next day we like rallied together and we bought plane tickets to go down to LA and um, and we had like a day or two before that was happening and so we're like, what can we like bring to him to show him that we care about him, should we like our card signed by a bunch of people, should we because uh, what had happened is he'd gotten you know, swooped up in an ambulance, taken to the emergency room uh, apparently, when you get stabbed in the abdomen region, they don't take time to like tend to like, ah, oh, like what's going on here? They literally just like cut you open from sternum down to like your, your pubic area. Oh my god. And just like open you up and they're like, what's wrong in here? What got, you know, stabbed? <laughs> and uh, so they had to remove his kidney and uh, part of his intestine. And so 
when we were thinking about gifts, we are like, oh, should we bring him a bag of kidney beans? I don't know. <laughs> it's like a stupid joke. Um, and then eventually we got, and Andy came up with the idea for a tattoo. And so, um, so we talked to my tattoo guy. He got us in like same day. Didn't, uh, we, we explained the whole thing to him and he gave them to us for really cheap. And, uh, and so we flew down to LA and so we walk into the hospital room and like oh you got the tattoo before you even went to see him yeah I didn't realize that part about the original story yeah so we got him like 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 same day or like next day or something and then we flew out to LA like less than 24 hours after that to go see him and so we um, we walked into the hospital and you know just imagine seeing your best friend in the most vulnerable state mm-hmm. of his life just hooked up to a million machines like that are keeping him alive and um so we like kind of wake him up and he's talking to us for a while and this whole time like the room just feels very like dark and sad and just like can't believe this is happening uh, and he's groggy from drugs and everything uh, hospital drugs, not like hard <laughs> drugs. And uh, so then Andy and I can like look at each other and we're like, Mike, we, we got you something. And uh, so Andy and I both lift up the left sides of our shirts. Mike had gotten stabbed on his left side between his rib and his hip bone. Okay. And uh, over the spot where he got stabbed, we each got. Um, a tattoo of a semicolon, and um, and we were talking with Mike, and we we're like, so we know that you had to get one of your kidneys removed, and also part of your intestine. Since that part of your intestine was part of your colon that you got removed, now you have a semicolon. <laughs> and, and like <laughs> when he when he realized like connected the whole joke uh, like put his hands over his face and started laughing but it sounded like kind of a cough uh, and started laughing like kind of hard for the state that he was in yeah I would be afraid that he would burst into just blood would yeah, burst yeah, everywhere yeah um, and you know we all kind of like started tearing up and he was like like laughing and crying and stuff and uh, it was good because like like I said earlier um, that is the best joke very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know when your best friend gets stabbed? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the, the biggest basis of our friendship is definitely humor and laughter and stupid jokes. And so being able to make a pun out of, like, your fr- best friend almost dying <laughs> is, I think, like, the pinnacle of our friendship, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, so then Mike recovered and, and all that. Yeah, and he's doing better now. Yeah. He's great. Fully recovered. Healthy enough to eat breakfast burritos every weekend. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, now he has a semicolon tattoo right below his stab wound. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that story. Thank you. Uh, What a good friend. Yeah. What a good bunch of friends you guys are. That's so inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I miss those guys a lot. Um, But they're going to come hang out in New York soon. They are? Should be a good time. Yeah. Get fucked up on some breakfast burritos. <laughs> Do you allow swearing on your podcast as we end it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. You can swear. Cool. Um, okay. okay. What? <laughs> <laughs>
No. Oh, you're just trying to get all your swears in now. Yeah. Um, that's it. Let's uh, let's end it with my new signature catchphrase, where we both say we are friends. Okay. Okay. On the count of well, when I get to zero, after I say zero, we'll so. both say we are friends, and you have to say we are. You can't mess it up. Okay. You can't interject something that you think is going to be funny and clever, but it's really going <laughs> to hurt my feelings. It's like I can't contract it to we are friends. No, we are friends. I'm- Okay. Three full words. Okay. You ready? Alright. So it's like After a, zero. So it's like a it's like a one, two, three shoot thing, not like a rock, paper, scissors. Right. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, zero. We, we are, are friends. friends. <laughs> Alright. High five. That was awesome, man. Thank you.